G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today we're back for my inside story where we're looking at our Mount Lawley purchase. This is part two today, so I'm actually excited to be taking you inside the specifics of property we ended up buying and why it appealed to us, what was some of the due diligence we did to ensure it stacked up, as well as how we worked out how much to offer and go through that difficult process to get a feel if we were going to secure it. And I'm going to take you through the things I had to organize once our offer was accepted to make sure that you don't leave anything out on your next purchase. And then we do some reflection on what were some of the hardest things and what were some of the takeaways for the whole process? So it's going to be an interesting episode. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. So I guess maybe you can take us through then, Jared, this particular property and uh, why you ended up buying this one, why it appealed to you. So, yep, it met our criteria to be on a really wonderful street. It had park at one end, Beaufort Street at the other, and it's a lovely character house. It was built in 1925, so that's pretty crazy. Even older than our, our home was built in 1950, so that boggled my mind. And 1925, yep, stood the test of time. So it's got polished boards and... Lead lights. My wife wants to steal some of the lead lights from the front windows, but I'm going to keep her away from that to replace some of the other ones at home. And it has really great street appeal, I think, as well. Um, and tree-lined, of course, has to be. And this one was semi-renovated and it had an extension done the back to add a living area on. And they then converted the lounge to being a bigger master and the bedrooms are all reasonable in size. So it's de- decor as well with the kitchen and bathroom was very neutral. So it appealed to me that it's going to stand the test of time, you know, without needing much done to it, if anything. It was already rented out to an executive couple, so I didn't have to go about finding a tenant, even though that one's easy for us. Uh, but I knew, I knew that it kind of would have put some home buyers off that wanted to move in straight away. So I, I like the idea of that. And most importantly, the block was 473 square metres, which is appropriately average to slightly larger for Mount Lawley. Um, there's certainly a lot smaller blocks. And the house was positioned at the front of the block, importantly, with laneway at the rear and it was also r50 encoding so we could either demolish the house if we wanted to at some point in the future and build two side-by-side townhouses or we could retain the house and build a townhouse at the rear that fronted the laneway so because of there was enough space at the rear i also checked that or the other option was demo and build apartments because r50 allows for even higher density i doubt i'll ever do that option but you know adds this extra potential for someone else if we ever did have to sell. And I liked the, the wide appeal to investors and home buyers, tenants, and thought that, you know, if I ever had to sell this or rent this, it's going to be easy in down market. It sounds like a really good property. Wish I saw it first. Now, could you take us through some of the due diligence that perhaps you went through and uh, to make sure this property actually stacked up? Yeah, well, I thought I'd dig into this. You know, I think buyers often overlook a lot of these things unless they're getting a property review from us. And these are some of the things that are definitely worth checking into. So as I mentioned, I spoke to three of the top selling agents, got the feedback on price. They had told me that paying up to 1.4 was not going to be too much. 
So I then looked through sales data intensely and got an idea of similar properties. And I also looked at what townhouses were selling for because I wanted to see, you know, what the redevelopment potential was and, you know, how that would work out if we did do it. I looked at what the property sold for as far back as the records would go. And it was 126000 in 1990, Dwayne. So Jeez. yeah, it'd be good to go back in time and purchase a few of those, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, my, our income... Well, I was seven years old, so yeah, not in the greatest financial shape, <laughs> but tell my parents to. So um, I then calculated the average annual growth rate based on the likely purchase price that I was looking at and found out it to be 7.8% over those last 32 years. So that's really excellent. It's one of the highest that I've seen. And yes, there would have been some renovation done and, and the minor extension that Factored into that, but my criteria, as I mentioned, was to have it over six percent. So that was solid. Also, did some approximate numbers and confirmed that there was decent profits above fifteen percent if we ever did develop. So looked at that townhouse price, worked out approximate cost to build a townhouse, looked at sort of demo, and you know just did the the rough numbers on the back of an envelope and wanted to make sure that it was decent and stacked up. I found a townhouse over the road. Had just sold for 1.5 and that was built in 2002. So that gave me a lot of confidence that we could potentially have townhouses at sort of 1.617, but counting on maybe 1.6 and yeah, decent margin in that. Also did some numbers to work out the holding costs. So yeah, good to work this one out before you buy it. So um, ended up looking at 80% loan. Interest would be 27100 So that's based on 2.5% interest. Properties rented at 620 currently. So that we could also uh, likely rent it out for 650 to 670 now. So the lease is up in July. We'll look to increase the rent with the tenants to 650 to 670 but it would be 32K per year now at 620 compared to 27100 interest. So, yeah, it was pretty encouraging that even at a high price point such as this, even when we allow for 4K council and water rates and if we can bump that rent up an extra 2K a year, even with property management, most people would be neutrally geared and because I own the property management, positively geared. So that's nice. So, yeah, it's pretty good. got a discount. Yeah, it's good to get a discount from from myself. (laughs) But um, encouraging that someone, you know, could go and purchase a property like this and have it neutral to slightly positive. And, you know, yes, it, interest rates are likely to go up over the coming years, but rents are also going up still. So, you know, it's not going to be hugely taxing on us for interest costs either way. That was not a key criteria, but good to know. I checked what school catchments were and found out that it was in Highgate Primary and Mount Lily High School. And both of those are very good. Highgate's not exceptional but um, it's still solid and Mount Lily is very decent. So both public schools and there's some good private schools around as well. Checked with the coding, obviously, to confirm that the coding was R50 and that's always worth checking and not taking what the agent says, even though Peter was a good bloke. Double check. So also checked that the house wasn't in a character control area. Mentioned that was important and I ordered 
a property interest report from Landgates. Many people may not have heard of these. It shows any known issues recorded against the property that Landgate has been notified of by the various departments and things. So those are things that aren't necessarily covered on the title and definitely worth ordering. So they property interest report costs $55 from memory. I ordered a dial before you dig to check the location of the sewer and water just to make sure that it was conveniently placed for development. And I looked at the aerial image as well, and I measured how much area would be at the rear for development to see if there's enough room for a townhouse put on there and still meet the R codes. And I asked the sales agent for the past building and pest inspection because I knew that he had represented the last seller too and sold it four years ago. So that I just pulled out of my hat and it was a great one because it gave us confidence as to he was able to get it and send it to us. And this is before the first time open even. And it gave me confidence that there was no major hidden issues and I could potentially make our offer not subject to inspections if I felt really pressured and wanting to you know, make the offer even more stronger. So that was a good one. I also, oh yeah, <laughs> Dwayne, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but believe it or not, we never both saw the house. So I had home <laughs> opens on the day <laughs> and it was the first time open. And by the, that afternoon, there'd already been five offers written on the table. And yeah, so I still haven't seen the inside yet. I'm going to get oh, to see it next week at the final inspection. <laughs> I don't recommend anyone else do that. And my wife is extremely trusting of my evaluation of things. Thank you, Karen, for listening to this. She doesn't listen to many podcasts. I don't suggest that for everyone. A sign of the times when, you know, a property goes online Thursday, you call the agent Friday, you have a chat, you can't get through for Saturday, it's going to be sold. They weren't waiting around and had to go with it. I did not know that, Jared. That was uh, <laughs> that's new to me. <laughs> told me everything else with uh, this purchase, but not that part. So. Yeah, that wasn't the, the best due diligence. But, you know, when there's a floor plan, when you've got the building and pest inspection, full photos. You can be confident. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So then in that case, how did you work out how much to offer if you never saw the place? Well, they were asking from 125. I appraise 30 to 40 properties a month, so I'm very quick at getting up to speed on things. And that's why, you know, getting a... Property review from me is also worthwhile because I can give you this kind of insight very quickly. But I also humble myself and just speak with the local agents too because I want their input. So the consensus was that it would be at 1.4 as likely market value for today. That would be the, the max sort of price to pay. And if you get it for less than that, you'd be doing well. The words out of one of the guy's mouths. I then uh, I like to wait until the sales agent has all the other offers in and you know speak with them throughout see how it's going and stuff this is all over a pretty condensed period so find out when they're planning to present everything to the seller you hold back to the last minute you befriend them along the way and then you know the agent's not allowed to tell you what another buyer's price is right just so everyone knows, but how they react to the price that you are talking to them about submitting will tell you a lot too. You know, I try to keep a really straight face when buyers are telling me as the agent in the middle, you know, what they're planning to offer. But, you know, I'm always listening as the buyer for, you know, how's the agent reacting? It's not so much what they say. It's like, you know, they're really keen to write that offer up. You can just start to get these little tells that you might be the highest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Certainly does. Yeah. So, think, uh, um, reading the body language and the response, it's a great little tool to see how your offer is actually positioned against the others. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's more of a feel than 
it is a science, but you get better at it the more offers you make. And because I'm always trying to read buyers in the reverse way <laughs> as to whether they've got more, more to pay and how they react. So I'm probably, you know, a bit more attuned to it. So it was clear that I needed to be over 1.3 and they were asking from 1.25 as they, and they had five other offers over this. So I sort of found out that much, but I ended up deciding to come in at 1.355. So I put that extra 5K on there so that if anyone else had come to a round figure of 135, the 5K might just get you over the line. I felt from the agent's reaction that it may be the highest, but of course didn't know. I made the offer cash, not subject to finance. And I filled out the agent and it wasn't going to be a big deal if we still included subject to inspections because the seller was confident in their house standing up. The agent didn't think that it was going to in her tower offer at all to still be subject to building and pest again. And that made my wife feel happier to get it redone again. <laughs> so I was kind of willing to let it go and waive it, but we left it in. So yeah, that's a, that's one to fill out. And if you can get the past building and pest inspection, that can help you get some confidence around potentially waiving those inspections. Oh, very interesting. So take me back to the day the offer got accepted, Jared. How were you feeling? And what did you have to organize from that point forward? Well, yeah, it was nice to finally get one over the line, but then my my mind immediately goes to all the things that we have to sort out. And I thought I'd mention it here because varying experience levels on the podcast and uh, hopefully when you've bought a property, you didn't forget any of these because you might need to go back and organize something. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt you here for a moment, Jared. In terms of the feeling, just for all the listeners out there, Jared came into the office and uh, he was like a kid on the day of Christmas, running around, he was so, so happy, sharing his news that his offer had been accepted. And he actually took uh, myself for a drive down to have a look at the property as well. Uh, it's a bit of a drive-by. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see Jared it does have some uh, feelings around these things as well because it is emotional even though you try and take it out of it um, when you successfully secure a property. Yes, it was good to see that smile on Jared's face. Well, yeah, that was the first time I'd driven past it too, um, <laughs> Twain. So, yeah, we had to go and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Google Street View does wonders. Next, uh, things we organized. So obviously I had to send that contract off to finance broker to get them onto that. And then they started coming back with various questions from the bank. And it was annoying because, you know, I thought that all these things would be covered in pre-approval. And there was questions, you know, over the whole two and a half weeks that it took for them to approve it. So that was just frustrating, but I'm sure all of us go through that. We went through it on our last purchase as well uh, last year. So we ordered the building and pest inspection because I know how busy they are at the moment. So if you don't get that requested, you know, ASAP, then they can have trouble getting it done in your due dates. Pay the deposit, obviously, and sending it off. We always have that anxious moment. Oh, we've made our offer subject cash. Hopefully I'll be um, not losing this. <laughs> I was nervous to wait for finance because of that, not having the finance conditions. So that left a few sleepless nights. And I also had went and opened a new joint account to keep our transactions separate and together for that property. So that's a good one to get prepared for. I organized the building and the landlord's insurance. And I like to go with the specialist landlord insurer um, and a different building insurer. So I kind of keep all my building insurance policies with the one and landlord insurance policies with a different other one. I asked uh, the sales agent, (laughs) this is a funny last one, if he could find out the paint colours to the house. So 
I always find out later that no one knows the paint colours or we can't find out. And then doing trying to match patching on walls, you end up having to repaint whole walls and then whole houses if it's really bad. So we had a lot of that to do in our family home when we moved in and no one knew the paint colours and it was too late. So that's a big one for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for us as property managers too. It allows us to do cheaper repairs on behalf of our clients and our tenants when the inevitable happens and the kid chips the wall. So Yes, definitely ask that one, particularly if you're buying an investment property too. Oh, awesome, Jared. So, um, look, what were some of those hardest things that you found about making this purchase? Well, I think I said to you a few times that I pref- definitely prefer to be the selling agent and <laughs> I always forget the deep emotions, you know, you have as a buyer, even though you've been doing it more often lately. So, it's hard leaving your emotions out of the sale and it's easier said than done. So, just trying to keep control of that. And definitely being a competitive person, I found it hard just not wanting to beat everyone, beat all the other offers out. And, and you know, you need to make sure that you're not overpaying because when emotions are high in this kind of market, you know, you don't want to look back if um, everything doesn't go according to plan and have paid too much. So that was, mm. that was a really hard one to keep the ego out. And also when emotions are high, I find that I can skip over important details. So I just force myself to do the due diligence, look through my purchase checklist, look through my due diligence checklist and, um, you know, cover off everything possible. Those are my main three takeaways or main three difficulties. Mm, rather. Okay. And were there any other takeaways perhaps then, um, since you mentioned yeah, it, were there no, any yeah, other takeaways from this that. whole process <laughs> <laughs> um, that you could potentially share with us? Well, I know I mentioned speaking to agents, but that is priceless and you have to, you know, it's so important to do uh, to get their input on the price. I would definitely do that. I also got into the headspace that I'd rather pay a little extra to secure the right property, especially when you've looked at enough to know rather than missing out and likely mean having to wait another three to six months for another one to come up. So if you're looking in a tightly held area, if you've got your criteria really down and you know exactly what you want, like in the grand scheme of things, it's worth paying that extra, locking it up. You don't want to pay crazy, but paying the extra, I got comfortable with. That makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I guess one last question I have for yourself, if you don't have, or if you do have any other takeaways, but this uh, question I thought I'd ask for my own uh, emotional sanity, did you find it helpful to have somebody to speak to from your emotional perspective? Um, with all the properties that you were missing out on and, you know, talking through the process and, you know, uncovering some of those things that you did share with me. Did you find it helpful having someone to bounce those ideas with? Yeah, mate. Please say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's why um, my wife doesn't get too involved, believe it or not. Like she actually remains pretty detached and will, you know, is happy to go with what, um, I suggest she's able to keep a pretty level head and she asks some really good questions that, you know, double checks things. But yeah, having someone outside of our relationship to bounce around with that gets property and, you know, it's just awesome to download it and then have a clean slate going into the next deal. Because if you carry that emotions from the past one into the next one, um, then yeah, you're going to make wrong decisions and pay too much. I do see that from buyers when they've missed out on a few and haven't, they seem to be carrying it. That I know as a sales agent that I'm going to be able to get some more money from here. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, awesome. Oh, um, well, thank you for yeah, all your help yeah. along the way, mate. 
most Thank you for being my property to... emotional counsellor. I guess you don't really pay me for that, but uh, happy to do it because it's great to see you on that journey. And, um, you know, there's a lot that I can take away and learn from yourself as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much it as far as that purchase goes. Uh, we've got finance approved and the inspection's all done and we're just waiting for settlement coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So bed that down and get up to speed on the property management and uh, meeting with Irina, our property manager at Funnel Inspection. So we'll um, get all that sorted and, yeah, then I'll be making some plans for the next one. Yeah, looking forward to the next journey as well. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you on the next one. Mm